0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: This is The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to The Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom liberty and justice definitely justice it is friday the 1st of december 2023 welcome to today's show and hello to everybody in the live chat skippy bonus years river just a bloke who asked questions Maisie, i sound like a bit of a horse race commentator there um hello to the rest of you um in the live chat i hope you're all having a good day i've got a great show for you It is another big day on The Freeman Report and TNT Radio um, as we report on the big stories of the moment. But before we get into the detail around today's show, just a quick reminder that Tommy Robinson will be appearing on The Freeman Report on Monday. We'll be discussing his treatment by the Met Police in London last weekend, which is pretty shocking in my opinion. His treatment by the Met has captured the attention of commentators around the world, and the overwhelming consensus is that the police are out of order. They arrested him because someone from the organised rally against anti-Semitism in central London reportedly told the police that his presence would cause alarm and distress. So that's a new one. Um, So not only can the police turn up at your door for saying something online if it causes hurty feelings, now they can ban you from a location. Utterly ridiculous. People really need to put their big boy and big girl pants on because if you can't deal with being offended or getting hurty feelings, then you're clearly not a genuine member of the adult community. I'm offended by lots of things but I wouldn't dream of trying to cancel people provided they don't abuse or threaten me or cause physical harm in any way. Now I've been upfront about the fact that I've been very wary of Tommy in the past because he does always seem to be involved in some kind of form of violence. Well that's how the mainstream press present it anyway but I will not fall into the trap of making absolute judgments on people merely based upon information from the mainstream media. Because we all know they lie all of the time. And when they're not lying, they're misleading or obfuscating the truth. We know that, right? So I'll be asking Tommy why much of the press paints him as a violent campaigner. Why do they target him specifically? And why does he think the police? Target him also in the way that they do. All here on the Freeman Report from 11am UK time on Monday, which is 9pm Brisbane time and 6am New York time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right, back to today's show, because in a moment we will play an interview that I recorded with Andrew Bridgen yesterday, straight after he asked a question to the government in Parliament regarding official New Zealand government data that has been leaked which in my opinion from what I know about it in terms of both the trustworthiness of the source but also what they're saying it proves beyond doubt that the COVID injections are killing people. Many of you will have seen the response he got from the leader of the House of Commons Penny Morden who has apparently seen the report on the data which he said has already been debunked. Now, this is interesting because the existence of the leaked data set only emerged yesterday and there is no report to speak of. So what report was Penny talking about or was she talking out of a Tory blue behind? Now, MPs are not allowed to accuse other members of lying. So what has Andrew got to say about her rebuttal? In the wider press, Andrew is once again being attacked, this time for taking loans from the backer of the Reclaim Party, Jeremy Hosking. And a bit of an oversight, not registering it with Parliament. Now, he hasn't done anything wrong by taking the loans, but it is clearly a oversight not to record this with Parliament my stance on this is as as follows i couldn't give a monkey about the loans what i'm interested in is this new zealand data because the two things are totally separate and i will add that the tory party itself along with the labor party are up to all sorts of dodgy stuff behind the scenes but given their part of the establishment nothing ever happens well rarely anyway it is all hidden from public view. And if anything does get leaked, well, then it's brushed under the carpet. Unless, of course, you're not towing the globalist line, because if that's you, well, then it will be leaked and to the papers and you will get cancelled. I mean, look at all the Russian money that has flowed into the Tory party over the past decade or so. Millions of it. And what about all of the Russian money that has been allowed to flow into real estate market in London? Hundreds of billions over the course of the Tories being in power. And what about all of those offshore accounts we keep on hearing about periodically? What about all of that? What about the fact that Fishy Rishi Sunakas has reportedly made millions from shares in Moderna? Now, the Prime Minister refuses to deny the accusation, despite the fact that he has overseen huge investment for the company in the UK, where it has decided to build new mega facilities. What about all of that, Prime Minister? Because that sorry tale looks like it would win an Olympic gold medal for conflicts of interest. The loan to in to help him fight a legal case over the family business is not a crime in itself. Yes, he should have added it to the Register of Interest in Parliament. That was a bit of a silly oversight to make, particularly given the scrutiny he is under. But let's put some perspective on it, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew is not a globalist prime minister who came to power without a single vote being cast for him. A prime minister who reportedly has mega conflicts of interest but he is a globalist he is one of them so that's okay anyway for me it is the data and what it shows that is the important thing after Andrew Bridgen um, I will be joined by members of a new political party in Oxford that aims to disrupt globalist plans being implemented by the local council 15-minute cities and all of that nonsense so stay tuned for all of this in a moment If you want to get in touch, as always, please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you're new to the Freeman Report, then why don't you check out the live chat and join in the conversation? I do keep an eye on what's going on there. Um, I constantly get abused there, which is fine. You can throw it all at me. Um, But if you want to get involved, then please head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report. For TNT Radio.
0: Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Gemma, it's Friday again already.
2: It is indeed. So, like deja vu. Friday. Absolutely. I mean, what's not to like about a Friday, you know, wherever you are in the world, you get that Friday feeling, weekends ahead and time flies when you're having fun. I don't know about you, but weekends for me go fiendishly quickly, but also working on TNT, that goes quickly. My granny, she used to say to me, Gemzi, no sooner is it Monday morning than it's Sunday night. And I used to go, oh, (laughs) grand, shut up. You know, now I'm older myself. I know exactly what she means. Time does just go so fast when you are a certain age.
1: I've got a new name now, Gemsy. Good morning, Gemsy.
2: Well, that is the family name that everyone has for me. So only my very nearest and dearest and closest can call me that, but I'll I'll give it to you. You can have it. You can have it, James.
1: Thank you very much, Gemma. Um, What story have you got for us today, Gemma?
2: Well, it's interesting you're talking about the globalist agenda, you know, at pace and a new political party in Oxford being formed to fight the globalist agenda. We can see the globalist agenda everywhere we look, pretty much. And just in the last hour at the COP28 summit in Dubai, um, something has been declared there, which I just think, God, this is just it's obviously Agenda 2030. Um, and you know, it's worth keeping a massively close eye on. Um, because the COP28 president has just announced. Uh, a major new declaration on the future of food at the uh, climate conference. Um, It's quite a mouthful, ironically, this uh, declaration. It's called the Emirates Declaration on Sustainable Agriculture, Resilient Food Systems, and climate action. I mean, in a nutshell, it's all about what we grow, what we farm, and what we eat. Um, interestingly, this is the first ever time that the uh, leaders at COP, the world leaders, have done a declaration on food at this summit. Normally, it's fossil fuels and climate finance that get all the attention, all the all the action, and all the headlines. But it it, it almost screams like it's uh this isn't working enough. We have to frighten them more, you know. So now it's food that they're bringing to the climate table. And 134 countries in the last hour signed up for this. Um, the big players, USA, the UK, Brazil, and China. Now, of course, this whole thing is United Nations, you know, so it has got globalists all over it. And it is a gender 2030. It's part of their sustainable, so-called sustainable goals. But what will be as a result of this declaration? The impact on local growers and farmers uh, and livestock and all of that. It's going to happen very quickly. Policies, I think, that are brought in as a result of this declaration uh, made today. Um, and we've already seen in in the Netherlands the Dutch farmers being shut down. You know, they're saying that nitrogen oxide and emissions from from livestock farms are too high. That's it. So we'll just close you. So if they're doing that already ahead of this announcement, what will they do off the back of this announcement now worldwide, including obviously here in the UK, where we don't even grow our own food or farm our own food that much anymore. Uh, but the implications are as, as 2030 looms, you know, we're nearly into 2024, six years to, to achieve all these goals. Uh, this is definitely one of them. This is straight out of the globalist playbook and much like there's been kickback in Oxford, uh, with a new political party to fight the 15 minute cities. One can only hope that farmers around the world unite against this announcement because it certainly won't spell good news for them.
1: Yeah, Gemma, I mean, I'm not really interested in what they're saying officially. What's going on behind the scenes? Because I hear rumors, and I think I heard you talking about it yesterday, that actually most of them are there to do oil deals. <laughs> um behind the scenes so you know the 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 front shop is kind of all built up around food and greenness and all of this but behind the scenes in the bars and wherever else the restaurants it sounds like or the rumors are that they're all doing um oil deals out there
2: yeah I'm sure that's the case I've no doubt I mean why would you hold a climate summit in one of the biggest oil producing nations in the world and why would so many people, if they really believed what they were saying, I was just talking about this with Rick Munn on Locked and Loaded, if any of them believed what they were saying about climate, none of them would be there. They wouldn't have set foot on a plane. So the whole thing is a farce, but this is policy. This is policy that's coming out and one of the things they do want to do, they made it very clear, is destroy farming, traditional farming as we know it, and hand it all over to you know people like Mr. Gates, buying up great swathes of land around the world. This policy, I'm sure, will be used as the biggest stick to hammer farmers with and change the way we eat whether we like it or not.
1: Well, they can do one and I think the the Dutch people have just literally said that to the establishment. So um so yeah we're going to push back and um, obviously you know two of my guests today that are going to come on from this new political party that's exactly what they're doing. Now Okay. They've got these policies they're bringing in in terms of the SDGs and this whole UN thing. You know, I know some people on the inside, very senior people in, in that field and the SDGs are a shambles. They're as bad as the millennium goals when you actually look at what's going on behind it they couldn't organize a piss up in a brewery um the globalists so you know let's keep on pushing back folks because um i think it will all start to fall to bits um you know and the other thing is lots of people very very wise people have told me that in the end what will be their undoing is them all fighting amongst themselves for the for the pickings because they are greedy for power. So let's push back and watch them tear, e- tear each other apart. Right, Gemma, it's been a big week, hasn't it, on the Freeman Report and TNT Radio in general. I hope you have a great weekend um, and I look forward to another week next week of fantastic shows here on the Freeman Report. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, uh, we'll be playing that interview with me and Andrew Bridgen from yesterday. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Jeremy Nell on TNT Radio. Being South African,
0: I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically,
3: our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and
4: years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I?
1: Yes, um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. So it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year and we had a farm murder on average every fifth day Um, but over the last few months both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders.
0: Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
3: God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn
4: from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one.
5: China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state
4: of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40-
6: California
5: has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine.
4: Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci.
0: today's news talk news and
7: information
0: TNT radio
1: right then as i said um yesterday i mean i would have had andrew on the show yesterday to comment on the new zealand leaked official data on the jabs um but actually at, right at the precise time that i was um talking to you all here on the freeman report he was in parliament asking a question of penny mordant um but he did um catch up with me straight after the show so we're going to play that clip for you right now andrew um thank you so much um for joining me on the freeman report um i have watched um parliament tv this morning and i saw that you announced the fact that this data um shows some pretty shocking things um from new zealand this leaked data um Tell tell the audience what what did you um, what was the question you asked of Penny Mordaunt this morning in Parliament?
3: Well, I said that I was delighted that it was Whistleblower Week this week in the UK because some weeks ago um, I had been given access to five million um, confidential New Zealand government um, vaccination records uh, that they'd been anonymized because clearly they've got the names of the individuals who vaccinated the name of the vaccinator in those government records they had to be anonymized to comply with GDPR rules uh, before scientists could take them and analyze them uh, anonymously Um, and those have been that analysis has been carried out over the last couple of weeks by scientists and data analysts in the UK and other countries Um, And I was going to share just a few snippets of the the data, the analysis uh, with the House of Commons because of time constraints. And that one of those facts was that the New Zealand data shows that when someone is vaccinated uh, or groups of people on a certain day were vaccinated, the uh, mortality rate for that group increased for five months following vaccination. and that that increase was it was irrelevant what time of year um, or what season that vaccination took place because we know that there's an increase in, in uh, mortality rate in the winter in the southern hemisphere that would be our summer uh, in up here in the UK uh, but that wasn't what was shown by the data the data showed that whatever time of year someone was vaccinated uh, with the experimental COVID-19 vaccines their mortality rate for those people increased for five months and it also increased uh, even more every subsequent vaccination that 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 group of people had and that the data showed overall that uh, the odds of the excess deaths in New Zealand not being down to the experimental vaccine it was one in a hundred billion chance of it being by random, which means you'd have to vaccinate the whole population of the world 12 times to come out randomly with the results we'd seen for excess deaths in New Zealand, which is, I think anyone would agree who's reasonable, that's a fairly uh, um, remote possibility, (laughs) one in a hundred billion. And and I I then asked the the leader of the House for a statement from the government that we're going to suspend... Any further administration in the UK of these experimental vaccines because clearly that's what's causing the excess deaths in New Zealand, it's what's causing the excess deaths in the UK and around the world. And, um, no, you know, we needed to stop any further deaths and harm from this um, experimental uh, procedure.
1: Yes, and um, I had Liz Gunn, um, journalist and leader of um, NZ Loyal Party. Um, from New Zealand. This morning we talked about this. I think, you know, the the unlikeliness of this being happening by coincidence is she gave one story and that was of a cluster, um, I think it was of 52 people that had the same batch vaccine on the same day from the same vaccinator. All have died within months um, of each other. That's the kind of um, statistic um, that is giving those odds there because there's just no way that that is a coincidence. So so what was Penny Mordent's um, response um, to your question then, Andrew?
3: Well, I'd actually given the Whip's Office, the Conservative Government Whip's Office, the heads up that I was going to be talking about this, this issue and that I, we had got the data. Uh, and basically she just bawled and blustered and said that my data or my analysis had been debunked, which is a bit interesting because I'd never announced it before. So I don't know how it'd been debunked. Um, I know that uh, uh, a statement by the whistleblower himself uh, has already been taken down from YouTube, but that doesn't surprise me, but that's the level of censorship we're facing now in getting genuine scientific analysis and data out there to the public. I mean, it is, uh, it is really quite frightening. So, no, um, I think I'll need to look, we'll release further evidence and further analysis over the next few days. Um, and I know that Steve Kirsch has done a lot of research on this in America. And I expect the Americans, um, a bit, a few hours behind the UK, that they'll start announcing some of the analysis later on today. And um, we'll see what coverage, if any, we get in the uh, mainstream media. But I'm not holding my breath, James. So I'm, I'm relying on TNT radio to get the message out. And, and also we need to put the database out, the anonymized database, so that other scientists... Uh, can can peer review and 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 analyze this data and see that the conclusions that have been come to by the data analysts who've looked at it are absolutely correct
1: yeah now i i have watched parliament tv i've already put a tweet out andrew um in my view because penny says basically that that report that you're talking about is debunked there there (laughs) is no report so as far as i can see um it sounds like she's whether it's intentional or not she's misleading the house um, are you going to put a point of order in and and ask for a statement from her?
3: Um, well, no, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed even to allege in our parliament that someone's deliberately misled the House. That would be lying. You're not allowed to call them liars. Um, I think she might be a stranger to the truth, though. Um, um, so inadvertently misleading Parliament, um, I'm thinking about doing a point of order on Monday, and the rules are that the minister concerned would have to. At the earliest convenience return to the chamber and put the record straight but I've done this before and Penny Mordaunt doesn't put the record straight even when I mean she actually stood up in the chamber many months ago and said that the government had no plans to bring in digital id Uh, and that's not true there there was actually a consultation out by the government on digital id at the time Uh, but she she didn't come back and correct the record even though I picked her up on a point of order about it um, so we're, we're in strange times. I'm not surprised that so many of the public are losing faith in in our democracy and and our parliaments around the world because they're they're certainly not serving the interests of the people. Uh, I think uh, I think we've got a pretty good idea who they are serving most of them.
1: And Andrew, obviously, we're pleased that this data set has come out because it does confirm um what we've been saying and what you've been saying stood up in parliament as a lone mp for for quite some time now but but clearly it's you know it confirms some pretty terrible things how does it make you feel now to know for sure um and have this evidence of the real harms that this well, the worst kind of harms you know it's been killing people what how, how how does that feel what, what what do you make of all of this data and, well, I, and, and...
6: i've
3: i've, I've... I've known that for quite some time, and that's been deeply depressing. But when you have it confirmed by a data leak from a a government like New Zealand, a Commonwealth country uh, modelled on the UK system of democracy, I mean, if if we can analyse that data, the the New Zealand government must have analysed that data and they've still been pushing these experimental harmful vaccines onto a public. I mean, that is fairly depressing and 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 quite worrying um that any democratically elected and accountable government would carry on doing something that when it's when it was so stark that even the, the chap handling the data who'd set up the database he looked at that raw data and thought this is just not right i'm going to have to leak this because this can't carry on this this is is really hurting people i mean some of the some of the batches uh that were used in new zealand And there were all sorts of vaccines, mostly Pfizer, uh, from from what I've seen, mostly Pfizer. But there were AstraZeneca and Moderna batches as well. some of the batches, 30% of the people who were injected on a certain day are no longer with us. There's plenty at 25%. That's one in four. I mean, this is horrendous. Um, And it's interesting that the, the, the database was actually set up to pay the vaccinators. To pay the vaccinators. And that yet the column at the end uh, is date of death for the recipient and i guess that the new zealand government realized that when they've had enough vac- when they've reached the point of death then that's when they get no more vaccines
1: yeah and of course you know um liz was saying today and um, when i interviewed her about the fact that you know we know Um, or they know, they on the databases, the vaccinators' names, obviously that's been removed because I think that would be traumatic as well for a lot of people who thought that they were doing good, they were told they were doing good, and yet some of them, she was saying, you know, four or five hundred deaths from that one person over quite a short period of time. Now, Andrew, obviously you've stood up in Parliament, announced this today, I've done a live show today, there'll be Steve Kirsch and others around the world are going to be trying to raise awareness of this data set. Um, So that's first priority. But what do you want to happen next? What do you think should happen next once we've um, achieved that task? Well, on Monday,
3: I've got um, some world experts coming to present in the UK Parliament in the Wilson Room. It's a committee room. This is not open to the public. I've invited members of the House of Commons, the House of Lords and the press lobby to come to that event. We've only got 50 spaces in the room. I did have a room for 120, but they mysteriously moved the venue at short notice to a much smaller room. If it goes any smaller, we'll be in the broom cupboard. But I mean, I've, I've got uh, Peter McCullough. I've got Robert Malone. I've got Pierre Corey. Uh, I've got Ryan Cole. Uh, I've got Steve Kirsch coming over from America at the weekend. Uh, I've got uh, Angus Del um, and I've got uh, Mike Yearden speaking via video link. So we've got the world experts. And I want colleagues from the House of Commons and the House of Lords, the peers to come, listen to the evidence themselves, make up their own minds. I know that a big chunk of Steve Kershey's presentation is going to be on the New Zealand data.
1: Fantastic. Well, listen, Andrew, thank you for everything you're doing. and Good luck Monday. Um, I'll be and this is a request. If you're watching this now, um, you know, I will put a clip of this up. Make sure you um, tag your MP um on on and, and posted on social media because it would be an absolute disgrace wouldn't it andrew if nobody shows up just like and um, the speeches you've given on excess desk but listen andrew um thank you from everyone at tnt for everything you're doing um to try and break this story so that more people are not harmed andrew Bridgen, thank you very much thank you for having me james
6: big news 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 story which contains more than first meets the
0: ear. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Washington has told Israel it must put plans in place to reduce civilian deaths and protect critical infrastructure in Gaza before resuming its bombardment of the besieged territory. Turkey's president has declared Benjamin Netanyahu the
1: butcher of Gaza, accusing the Israeli leader of committing one of the worst atrocities of the century. And the U.S. state of Texas is suing Pfizer, accusing the U.S. pharmaceutical giant of lying to the public and silencing its critics. Globalist
0: agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one.
1: right welcome back um i hope you enjoyed that interview i will put it on social media later the clip of that so please do go over to x and share the hell out of it and tag your mp so that they turn up on monday right now today's show is very very much about the democratic deficit we've got in this country and those genuinely good people who are doing their best to put a stop to this and fill that deficit. So my next guests uh, are equally um, just on that mission to try and write what is going wrong um, in our democracy in the UK. Um, I'm delighted to be welcomed by Anne Gwinnett and Anne Stairs. Now, so we don't get confused, um, I will refer to you as Angie and Anne S. Hello, ladies. How are you doing?
7: Morning. Very well, thank you.
1: Well, listen, thank you so much for for joining me um, on this show today. Um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind both just doing a quick introduction, give us a little bit of information about yourself and um, why you got involved in this. And I'll go to Angie first. Okay, well...
7: Um... There's been some interesting things happening in Oxford uh, in terms of what the councils are doing. And I became very exercised about the the lack of democracy because they're doing things that people really don't, don't want and don't like. Um, So my background is uh, I had a career in higher education for for most of my career and I had a lot of contact with councils, both councillors and officers, and also with the public and with businesses as part of my role. Um, And now as a resident in Oxfordshire, I'm watching councils completely disregard the wishes of the majority of residents in favour of very small minorities And um, the things that they're doing, particularly with regard to uh, transport arrangements by putting in low traffic neighbourhoods and so on, is having a huge impact on the majority of people in Oxford, whether they be residents or people who work here or indeed visitors to Oxford, um, and it's not only that might sound as if it's just about traffic and it isn't because it's having knock on consequences, which I'm sure we will come to in terms of people's health. Uh, people's education people's general well-being and businesses businesses are closing left right and centre so it's really doing a lot of harm and I felt that we needed to do something about it because lots of people have been telling the councils this and the councils aren't listening so we've decided the only way that we can address this is actually to get in on the inside and change it from there so that's what we're doing.
1: Thank you, Anne. Um, Anne S, um, please give us a little bit of information about you, yourself. You know, what do you do as a day job? And how did you get involved in politics? Why are you standing?
5: Um, well, I'm retired. Um, and in the middle of a lockdown, bollards ended up at the end of my road, blocking um, access. Um, and uh, I, at first of all, couldn't believe what we, we, we weren't really given much warning about this happening. And then um, it was told to us that it was just a trial and that that we would, as residents, be listened to. But the more that progressed, um, I found that we were just being ignored and actually um, going down to the council, speaking to them at various stages in all of this. And it was just having no effect. They were not listening. They didn't care. um, And they've turned the city into what used to be a really very harmonious city, to incredibly angry city. I mean, yesterday alone, the Oxford Mail reported that it took five-hour delays getting into the city centre. And this is becoming a regular occurrence. Um, And residents are being pushed to the limit here. Um, The majority of people are also... You can't speak out against them. If you try to speak out on social media, then we've got these um, toxic um, minority groups that just uh, silence individuals. Um, And the whole... um, system seems to be broken um and that's not for me what democracy is um as as i say i've never been political in my life it's actually made me step outside my comfort zones and think we've got to do something about this
1: yeah and good on you because this is what we need um not just at this time now but what i've been saying for the last few years we need normal people Um, not career politicians not rich businessmen we need normal people like me and yourselves um, to be elected into local councils and parliament because we're the only people who have our own you know the country's best interests at heart a lot of these career politicians are only interested in that career and obviously rich businessmen are only really interested in the lobbyists Um, no Anne g um what was do you, do you know what the turnout for the last um local elections in oxford was roughly
7: Yeah well the average turnout in the last local elections was 39% uh, there are 24 wards across oxford Uh, And across those 24, the average was 39%. But actually, um, if you look at some of the wards, uh, there's one ward that is down at 20% turnout and another at 21%. And what that really says is people have disengaged from politics because, and um, we've, as as you know, we've, we've just set up and just launched a new local political party called Independent Oxford Alliance, of which I'm chair, and um, the reason we've done that is is because the councils aren't listening. And one of the key things I think we need to do is, and, and it's one of our key objectives, is to actually reach those people who have given up on voting. Because when we've been going out talking to people, they're telling us that they don't bother to vote anymore because whoever they vote for, it makes no difference. They still don't listen. And so we want to offer a viable alternative Uh, candidates who will listen to what people actually want and will take action following on from that and not just carry on regardless with their plans. Um, so the, the fact that there is such a low turnout um, means that we, th- we think that there are people there who, if they knew there was a, a legitimate and viable alternative offering something that they actually want and listening to them, uh, that we can persuade them to come out and vote next time. And that has to be one of our prime targets.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a lesson for people. People are disengaged in politics these days for good reason. And um, they say, look at all the corruption. They look at the fact that the country votes for one thing and the politicians just do another thing. Um, but this is a lesson because... You know, There's a real opportunity there, isn't there? Because it's like in Wales, for example, um, the last Welsh government elections, I think the turnout was 47%. Now, the Labour Party in their manifesto had the 20 mile an hour speed limit um, as part of their man- manifesto promises. Now, since it's been introduced, though, lots of people didn't even know this because they've disengaged and more people signed a petition against it than voted for the Labour Party, which is really, really interesting. And it just goes to show people this is a lesson. Uh, You need to get out and vote because, particularly in these local elections when turnout is so low, just an additional 10% of people that have disengaged, if they came out to vote, they could change the whole um, result of the election. Right, ladies, we're just going to go for a quick break now, but don't go anywhere. Stay put because I've got more questions for you after the break. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing WEATHER WITH REALITY AND PERSPECTIVE.
6: AS A METEOROLOGIST, I LOOK FOR COMMON THREADS IN THE WEATHER. AND COMMON THREADS ARE ABSOLUTELY ESSENTIAL WHEN LOOKING AT THE CLIMATE SITUATION. BECAUSE YOU SEE, IT'S NOT REALLY ABOUT CLIMATE. LET'S TAKE A COMMON THREAD BETWEEN AL GORE, DR. MICHAEL MANN, AND OUR INFAMOUS CLIMATE AMBASSADOR, JOHN KERRY. AL GORE, FIRST OF ALL, HIS FATHER VOTED AGAINST THE CIVIL RIGHTS MOVEMENT. Secondly, Al Gore was a state senator in Tennessee. Guess what's in Tennessee? A state park and a giant monument to the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. How come he didn't see that over there? What about Dr. Michael Mann saying that climate deniers, and I suppose I'm one of them over there, are a threat to children and grandchildren? Very interesting since he supports policies that have reportedly ended the life of 60 million kids before they came out of the womb, three quarters of them, people of color. And then of course, there's John Kerry. That's the man who supposedly threw his medals over the fence at the White House, and yet we see him show up at these meetings with all his medals, right? What kind of hypocrisy is that? This is a man who wants us to start in the face of record-breaking food production, somehow or the other get rid of the agriculture so that we can cut CO2 emissions. You see the common thread between all these people? They're all hypocrites. They all follow the same kind of thing that they do with climates. They're sanctimonious know-nothings and that's exactly what this is about. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watch Dog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.
1: I want to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas.
0: I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas.
4: Why can't
3: I eat, eat, eat apples and bananas? Support the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food
4: Banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org.
0: This is the Freeman Report
1: with your host, James Freeman, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, Anne G., um, this is all about people's freedoms, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are on that.
7: Okay. Well, the, the actions that the councils are taking here and in other parts of the country are really curtailing people's freedoms. And Um, if they were really um, aiming at improving things in terms of the environment and so on, uh, then they would put alternative things in place first. And so what we want to do is to actually look at Not taking away people's freedoms, but making sure people still have a choice and making sure that there are things that they can choose to do. So if you want to have less cars in the city, there have to be effective alternative ways of getting around. And at the moment, that's not in place. So we're all for maintaining people's choice and ability to choose how they live but making sure they've got sensible choices to make um, and not just carry on putting things in place that actually take those freedoms away because the last time I looked you know we lived in a, a democracy and we lived in a country that had freedom of choice and freedom of speech and we need to make sure we hang on to that yeah, there does
1: seem to be a real problem in government, not just local government, but national government at the moment, doesn't there? I mean, look, you know, we're being told that we've got to move over to this world of electricity where cars and everything else, we've got to get away from burning fossil fuels. And yet the government has done, well, virtually nothing over the last 30, 40 years to put in place that infrastructure. So it seems to be pushing us all into a world which doesn't exist there is no infrastructure is infrastructure to support it and i think you're right about um oxford there um you know it's all very well telling people that they can't shouldn't drive their cars but if there is no alternative then what kind of solution is that in a democracy now Anne um s um what do you uh, first of all are you going to be standing in the general election as well as the local elections
5: no just at the local election so i'm standing in littlemore where i've lived for the last 30 years um and you know i've got a good measure of how residents are feeling about what's happening here
1: but is the the party that's been formed the new party is somebody going to be standing in the general election are you going to stand in that as well we
5: haven't got that far yet we're we're tackling local issues to start with um because locally you know oxford has become a no-go city um, residents are really suffering and it, it's those that we need to to um, represent for the time being
1: yeah sure so obviously i've stood in elections myself um, and it's been quite a learning curve to be honest with you um it was probably because the, the how i got elected was a little bit of a, an oddity it was a unique situation with the brexit party what i've learned since then is you know you you need to have the right policies you need to have the right people in place but actually, to win elections, you need boots on the ground. Um, how much support do you have to help with things like canvassing, like you know knocking on people's doors and spreading the message in Oxford? Do you have a lot of support?
7: Can I I answer that? Yes, I I mean, we're gaining support all the time. We we literally launched last Tuesday, and we were delighted to have uh, over 150 people at the launch. Uh, We got coverage in the local media and national media. And since then, we've had lots of people contacting us, either joining or offering to support us with, as you say, boots on the ground, and people also coming forward saying they'd like to stand in their area. So we're still very new but actually things are really starting to happen so we're very optimistic
1: and what do you think about this new world that you're jumping into because you know there's a lot of um things going on in the world at the moment whether it's the world economic forum you've got this i think it's c40 i think that's right c40 cities which um um, sadiq khan the mayor of london is the chair of um there's lots of accusations of conspiracy theories and all of this, um, which are still being thrown by the mainstream media. Whereas actually, if you do a bit of digging, it's all there. It's all published, you know, what they're up to. What do you make of this new world we're moving into? Um, and who wants to take this? Anne S?
5: I can, yeah. Um, I, I think that the world has gone so far left that anything that's got a common sense approach is going to be labelled as right-wing. I mean, the minute you say anything that, that doesn't align with with all of this um, type of thought are considered to be right-wing conspiratorialists. We've been labelled that already. Um, I don't think I'm going to live long enough to see the worst of what's coming down the line, because it's coming. Um, but I can't look my grandchildren in the eye and say, I did nothing. Um, so that's the reason that I'm standing up. This is for the future. I want my grandchildren to enjoy the freedoms that I've enjoyed most of my life. Um, and, and those freedoms are under attack right now. Um, and that's the reason that I'm standing and being involved in this.
1: And presumably both of you have been to the protests. We've all, um anybody on social media will have seen actually a huge amount of support there um, coming into Oxford, these protests and marches. Are you? aware of like you know is is that mass of people that are been protesting are they coming in from all sorts of areas across the country or is that support also that 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 volume of support and um, based in oxford as well i
5: think well, the, most of the, the people the, oh sorry go on then. most of the people that that came to the big demonstration in february they came from all over the country but i think Oxford is sort of almost forefront of what's going on. Um, and they can see that, you know, this is going to affect the whole UK. Other cities have started to dabble with this. And um, and we can all see what's happening and what's coming. And this isn't just about LTNs. that They are just a symptom of the disease. The disease is the lack of democracy. Um, so cure the disease, then the symptoms disappear. Um, and, and it's really important to note that.
7: And and I think just to answer that locally, that there is evidence that local concern is growing phenomenally because more and more people have been expressing their views. Uh, And I think, um, you know, that there is a a welling up really of recognition of what is happening and the fact that the LTNs have actually in a way kind of done us a favour because people have started to realise what's going on because they're actually impacted on a daily basis by the LTNs in particular but they can see that the reason for that is that the councils just aren't listening and, and they don't have a voice anymore and that's what we want to get back that voice.
1: Yeah sure and anybody who follows local politics will know the shenanigans. The absolute shenanigans that go on um you know tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've witnessed in the council and how it operates um over the past couple of years well they, uh, well they, they produce these sorry that's my fault i should i should be clear which <laughs> Anne i'm talking to <laughs> who wants to take that one go on Anne.
5: Um, they produced several consultations, um, which were very difficult. They were like a visit to Ikea where you're channeled into a certain way and can't actually really express um, how you feel. Um, but um, they were ignored anyway, even, even given the fact that, that, that you were almost asked whether you want to be shot or hung, you still were able to sort of say And um, 64% of people in this area didn't want them. Only there was only about 27% support. Um, and yet they were then, we were then told, but consultations are not referendums. So they're sort of pointless anyway, but I guess it's a tick box exercise that they were required to do. Um, So so I think, you know, continually um, you'll go to the council meetings. There'll be lots of residents that turn up and are taking their time to express how distressing that that these particular road closures are causing. And and councillors are sitting there answering um, emails and fiddling on laptops and actually not really listening to people. And then um, they're just dismissed anyway. And we're told that um, none of that matters because five-year-olds can scoot down now closed roads and that that's what really matters. Um, It's incredibly infuriating.
1: And what do local businesses make? Because... You know, this affects businesses. I know we've heard lots of, you know, in, in London now, there's loads of problems with the expanded ULES. Businesses are suffering because people don't want to come in um, and, and cross that line into um, the outer regions of, of London. What are business people saying in Oxford?
7: Well, a lot of businesses are really struggling, uh, and particularly in some areas of Oxford, they're, they're really struggling and some have already closed. Um, and so there are business people who are speaking out. Uh, Clinton Pew is a name that you will have seen in the national press uh, because his, his businesses are closing. Um, and, and lots of small businesses are, are either going or have gone. And the point is, obviously that's a problem for the businesses themselves, but where you're looking at local shops disappearing, that's also having an impact on local community. And particularly down the Cowley Road, where so many shops have been affected, you know, where the, there's a there's a real community spirit in that area. But the places that they used to go and chat to people are, are gradually disappearing. And the council are quite fast and loose with the data. So they'll say things like, oh, well, if you look at the number of businesses there, you know, it's not that much different to uh, two or three years ago. But what they neglect to notice is that there are businesses that have closed and then new businesses have opened up in those areas. And we're all watching that thinking, well, they probably won't last long because People literally cannot get there. And if they do get there, they can't park anywhere near. And businesses, I mean, even in going back to the consultations, the co-op in their submission actually pointed out that their shop on Cowley Road, uh, their trade had declined by, I think it was 21%, which is really significant so if that's happening to a, a shop like them, what's happening to the local businesses? No wonder they're struggling and closing. And uh, even in the city centre, uh, shops are feeling the pinch of that. Um, so it really is destroying the city bit by bit, and businesses are a big yeah. part of it. Um, we're also and, here.
1: Um, sorry, go go on, Anne. Sorry, we we're,
5: we're also here in a trades people that just won't attend certain areas of Oxford so if people want a plumber or an electrician the minute you say that you live in OX4 there'll be many tradesmen that will turn that down.
1: And um, Angie finally we've only got you've got about 30 seconds for this Um, are those nice people at the council giving you rebates on council tax what's been happening on council tax?
7: No, they don't do things like that
1: here. <laughs> so is that, presumably, that's been going up like every other council in the country? Oh, yes. Yeah.
7: yeah. Very. Uh, the yeah. last time, the rise was at the top level. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. So they're taking your money and they're not listening to you. Fantastic. That's democracy in the UK at the moment. Um, ladies um thank you so much um ann and Anne, Anne. thank you so much for <laughs> joining me on the show today please do come back on and um, before the election so that we can talk all about that love right to. okay it's been a big day today on the freeman report but don't go anywhere because we've got more great shows for you right here on tnt radio